Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Some movement, finally, in the writer's strike. Talks to resume tomorrow. Union recognized, union ignored. What's happening at an eBay-owned company? And today on the show, the latest from the Valley Labor Report in Alabama. And we take a deep dive into the world of union busting. Welcome to the Thursday, August 3rd edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Mr. Adam Keller. Adam is co-host and co-producer of the Valley Labor Report, and he's also a member of IATSE Local 900. Website is tvlr.fm. And uh, one of the things we're going to talk about is the growth of his audience. Audience continues to grow, and since uh, we had him on the show, they've been featured in the local news on a TV station in Huntsville, Alabama, as well as state news. Even got a Twitter shout-out from the AFL-CIO. And Adam reports, while our audience has grown significantly, and we're proud of the engagement that they're saying, we are facing a budget crunch. You have to understand, these shows are not easy. And thankfully, this show, America's Workforce, has a plethora of sponsors led by our presenting sponsor, Labor's International. In fact, we had the general president, the new general president, took over from Terry O'Sullivan on May 1st. Brent Booker was on the show on Monday. And if you missed that, awfpodcast.com. But Adam says they're uh, trying to raise about $5,000 between now and Labor Day so they can keep their operations going. And uh, they're also excited to announce their very first live show featuring a collaboration with local comedians. They're also on YouTube. They have a YouTube channel. Just check that out when you get an opportunity. In addition to that, we're going to talk about Medicaid expansion resolution, which was passed by uh, Adams Local. That would be IATSE 900. He actually wrote the resolution which got passed by the local last week, which formally endorses Medicaid expansion. This is so sad because uh, under the uh, Affordable Care Act, the states had the right to do that. Many of them did. Many of them did not. And uh, sadly, you can see the, um, the results of that because there's more people that have died, have ended up in poverty because their respective state did not expand Medicaid. Also, some of the biggest stories going on in Alabama, redistricting, (laughs) which is an issue in many states. Here's the deal. The court ruled that uh, the the map that the legislature came up with in Alabama violated Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. So the lawmakers got together. They put together another map. And it was pretty much the same map. So now what's going to happen? And we've seen this in in Ohio uh, last year and the year before that. The other issue is Tommy Tuberville and the feud he has uh, with the Biden administration. But it's gone another step further. 
a couple of days ago, President Biden decided to make Colorado the permanent home for the U.S. Space Command headquarters. And under the Trump administration, it was supposed to go to Alabama. Well, apparently the deciding factor for Biden to keep to keep it in Colorado Springs was operational readiness, pure and simple, according to the National Security Council. Tuberville says it's all politics. It should be in Alabama. But (laughs) that's how things go. What do you expect? Lots to talk about with uh, Adam. Then we're going to go to Dave Jamison. Dave is the labor reporter for the Huff Post, formerly the Huffington Post. And I'll tell you, he did a bang-up job. It was a five-part series on union busting. If you get an opportunity, just Google Huff Post, and you can pick up what he wrote. The first part was about how workers wanted a union, and then all of a sudden, a mysterious guy shows up. He called himself Jack Black. That was not his real name. And he was getting paid $3,000 a day plus expenses for trying to bust the union, which succeeded. We're also going to talk about the Labor Relations Institute, which is America's favorite union-busting firm. Immigrants. You see a lot of immigrants trying to organize. Oh, my gosh. Who do the uh, employers call? They call the Labor Relations Institute. And here's the sad part of the story that uh, Dave came up with. Union officials becoming union busters. And he talks about an individual by the name of Joe Brock, 62-year-old, works as a union avoidance consultant. So companies come to him when their workers are on the verge of organizing. He used to be an elected official with the Teamsters in Philadelphia, actually a son of a union leader, served as president of Teamster Local 830 before he lost a contentious election and was pretty much thrown out of office. So he had a bitter taste and he went to the other side and he's been successful too. And another thing is we don't know very much about the union busting industry primarily because of weak disclosure rules, which have helped keep anti-union consulting and legal work pretty much out of sight. Now, hopefully this is going to change. There was a story posted this week, the U.S. Department of Labor. Actually, they published the rule last Friday requiring that all federal contractors disclose their work with anti-union consultants and law firms in what they call LM-10 forms. Now, this is just federal contractors, not all contractors. The Department of Labor explained this, and simply put, they said, with the knowledge that the source of the information received is an anti-union campaign managed by an outsider, workers will be better able to assess the merits of the arguments directed at them and make an informed choice about how to exercise their rights. The new rule has predictably faced backlash from contractors and, of course, employer-side labor firms, and there are many out there. So at least the Biden administration is trying to right the ship on this one with a whole lot of pushback. So Dave Jamison, great job on this. He'll be our second guest on the show. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. 
three months, three months after negotiations between the Writers Guild of America and studios fell apart in May, the parties plan to reconvene for talks tomorrow. The Writers Guild explains that studio negotiator Carol Lombardini reached out to the WGA to discuss those talks. A chair of the Writers Guild Negotiating Committee addressed a video to fellow members emphasizing that the union remains unified and powerful. Mind you, tens of thousands of actors and workers joined together on picket lines this past month for the first simultaneous walkout since the 1960s. And you know SAG-AFTRA, which is my union, not the broadcast contract. They are on strike with the writers, and that's about 160,000 brothers and sisters there. So certainly good news there. Union workers at an eBay-owned company, this would be TCG Player, have filed multiple unfair labor practice complaints with the Labor Board against both organizations. The complaints allege that eBay refused to bargain with the union after it was recognized in March of this year. They further allege that eBay refused to provide relevant information to the union, refused to maintain the status quo at work in violation of workers' rights, and refused to negotiate on unilateral changes. The workers at TCG Player explain that they have not received a cost-of-living raise in three years and have been forced to sit through captive audience meetings hosted by Littler Mendelssohn. If you Google them, they're one of the most vicious anti-union law firms in the country. No doubt about that. Bloomberg Law reports that Trader Joe's has sued Trader Joe's United, which represents workers in three states for alleged infringement of the company's trademark. The union sells merchandise online featuring its logo, which is a playful twist on the company's own logo. Now, the case may hinge on whether an average consumer on the union's website would understand that the company was not responsible for the merchandise. The outcome of the suit could also have ramifications for unions at Starbucks, Apple, and Amazon, all of which include the company's name in the union's name. All right. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, Adam Keller, latest from the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the U.S., US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong 
and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, always connecting people with employment, good employment, good wages, good benefits, ulagency.org. It's a website you want to go to. Another website you want to go to is tvlr.fm, tvlr.fm. That would be the Valley Labor Report. And joining us from Alabama today is Mr. Adam Keller, who is co-host and co-producer of the Valley Labor Report. And uh, I like to start off with some good news here, Adam, because uh, we're just permeated with uh, horrible news and every day, I mean, there's a lot of people. In fact, I pick up a, a post the other day. There's a lot of people that no longer watch the news because, well, because of the political divide. They just don't think it's credible anymore. But thankfully, with shows like this and yours, we're trying to get the worker's point of view. And it is resonating. Adam Keller. Talk to me about the growth in your audience and the fact that uh, you're being recognized by a number of outlets, local news, political news. Go ahead, sir. It's all yours. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Flash. I really appreciate it. Always enjoy coming on America's Workforce and, and always enjoy chatting with you and appreciate that opportunity. And yeah, we've had some good news, literal good news. We've, we've been in the news. Uh, we've got a local profile with uh, WHNT 19 News here in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, just this week, we were featured in the Alabama Political Reporter, which is a statewide outlet, uh, and they covered a little bit of our growth. And that actually got a shout out from the AFL-CIO and the RWDSU, our longtime friends at the RWDSU. And so we really appreciate that. You know, we're, we're seeing a, a spike in the visibility, and it's obvious that our message is starting to get out more. Uh, we've seen a big growth in our audience this summer, uh, over 1,400 new subscribers just in the past month. And we've seen hundreds of thousands of additional views throughout the summer. It's really been, been great to see. A lot of that has been driven by our coverage of the Teamsters negotiation, and we're really honored that so many rank-and-file Teamsters have found our platform and have taken to our platform. They have been eager to call, to chat in, to leave voicemails and text messages, and we love the engagement with the audience. Uh, we love having that. We think it's important to still have you know, a call-in show and, and have an, a platform where rank-and-file workers can express their views. And so we've seen that, and, and it's really driven a, a growth in our audience. And one thing I wanted to emphasize about that is, you know, as your audience grows, it, it gets more difficult sometimes to, to keep folks happy. And one thing that 
uh, I talked about with the Labor Radio Podcast Network guys just last week is, is the diversity within our movement, the diversity within our unions and our labor movement. We have people of various backgrounds and various perspectives. And so, for you know, specifically with this Teamsters struggle with UPS, uh, we have folks calling in who want to vote no on the TA. We have folks calling in who want to vote yes on the TA. We have folks who think we've been too hard on the leadership in the contract. We think uh, we've also heard from folks who think we've been too soft on them uh, and too soft <laughs> about the contract, right? So you can't keep everybody happy. Uh, but what, you know, really thrills us is that rank-and-file workers are getting their voices heard. I mean, there's not many platforms where a part-timer or a full-timer a driver, a warehouse worker can just call in and, you know, give their two cents about their contract, about their wages, their benefits, their, you know, harassment they may experience in the workplace. That's really important. And as you mentioned earlier, so much with the media is just not worker friendly. It's not by us. It's not for us. It's not about us. And so we really appreciate the opportunity to build media that is by and for working people uh, and specifically amplifying the voices of working class people in the South as we try to build a labor movement that can really transform the South. You mentioned the Teamsters, and I think the last time you and I talked, uh, the, the mainstream media, the way they reflected on that, because everybody was bracing for a strike. They said, oh, man, this is, this is going to be a UPS strike. What's that going to mean? I'm not going to get my packages. Oh, my God. What, 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 uh, but that's the way it was reported. And what you just said speaks volumes because your show and this show, we talk to the workers we talk to the people right. that deliver those packages. We talk to the people that are in a truck at 120 degrees trying to get those packages to somebody. There's a whole different landscape out there which needs to be addressed. So I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm glad that that, that increased your audience. That's good. But that being said, <laughs> you still, you still got to get more sponsors. We're very fortunate here on America's Workforce. We've got plenty. Now, you got a, I guess you got a... Um, a fundraising campaign going on right now. Can you uh, can you give us some details on what's going on? Yeah, so we have a lot of good news. We've got a lot of growth. We've got exciting things happening. We just dropped a new T-shirt. Pre-orders are live this month for our Join a Union or the Boss Will Get You T-shirt, which is riffing on a classic I-65 sign down here in Alabama. Uh, folks who've ever driven down to the beach probably know the sign we're talking about that says, Go to church or the devil will get you. Uh, so we did a little spin on that, and it's been really popular with Alabama Union folks. And we have a live show coming up on September 17th at a comedy theater in Huntsville. We're going to partner with some local comedians and, and have a, a live discussion and a lively discussion of labor in the South. So we have all these great developments happening, uh, but we are facing a budget crunch. We are trying to raise $5,000 by Labor Day just so that we can sustain our current operations and maintain our, our commercial radio time. We think it's important to get out on the commercial radio waves. Uh, we air on a historic black radio station in northwest Alabama, and we air on a very conservative talk news station in Huntsville-Athens area. And it's actually the, the birthplace of Sean Hannity, if you can believe that. Oh, and boy. so. Yeah, so, you know, we're airing on diverse radio stations. It, it costs money to air on those radio stations, and it costs money to, you know, sustain the operations. And so 
Uh, we do need additional sponsors. We do need to grow our individual donors. Uh, as you know, we all know in this media landscape, there's not billionaires who are eager to fund labor union pro worker media, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, corporate media has the advantage of being able to tap into the resources of billionaires, the resources of these mega corporations. Uh, but that's not the kind of thing that we do. Uh, we are doing grassroots media, and we our biggest source of contributions actually comes from individual donors who give you know a couple bucks every month, uh, and then we have sponsors which range from local unions to international unions and and some other union allied organizations and businesses. So certainly, if if you hear this message and you believe it's important that we have media by and for working people in the South. If you appreciate what we're trying to do as Alabama's only union talk radio show, uh, definitely check out tvlr.fm slash donate. If you can contribute, that would be you know fantastic and, and very much appreciated. But even if you can't, just simply spreading the word, sharing that link, letting folks know on social media you know what you think about us, uh, that is really appreciated as well. Uh, so you know we're we're trying to do our best to really get workers' voices out there and to provide a different perspective for folks, especially in Alabama, who aren't often hearing that in the media. Um, You know, as I said, we are on a conservative talk station that airs really reprehensible stuff, I mean, most most of the week. And at least for, you know, every Saturday morning, regular folks here in North Alabama get to hear a very different perspective, and they get to hear what our unions are doing in our communities. They get to hear how we're winning for our workers and our members. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we get to hear about the power workers have when they come together and unite around their common interests. And that's just not a message that we get in the the mainstream media very often. No, not at all. There's a ton of organizing going on right now, and it's just not being reported on. It's not. I mean, we're hearing about the strikes, and and the way the mainstream media portrays strikes is, oh, my God, look what they're doing. The company's going to go out of business. The workers are demanding too much money. They got rich benefits already. So you got to get the alternative point of view on here. And I'm glad that you're not preaching to the choir. That's got to be interesting, being on a very conservative station. But there is more. And I understand that you're going to uh, do your first live show. This is pretty interesting, featuring a collaboration with local comedians. Now, this is a little little bit of a switch here. Can you explain what you're attempting to do here? Right. Yeah, we're, we're just trying to branch out and reach folks in different ways. And we know that, you know, as much as a podcast and a radio show can reach people and a YouTube channel can reach people, uh, it's important to reach people in person. And so we've just been sort of brainstorming on, on how can we do this. And we know there are other you know, podcasts and and radio folks who've done these live shows and gone on tour. And so we thought, why not us? You know, let's experiment. Let's see what we can do. Uh, And so on September 17th, we're going to have a a live show. It's not going to be exactly like our, you know, typical radio show, but we are going to have a a panel discussion about labor organizing in the South. Uh, We're going to, it's going to be at Shenanigans Comedy Theater, and we're working with them. They've been great to work with and and hooking us up with some local comedians from the Huntsville comedy scene, uh, who also, by and large, are working class people, uh, as we've learned. And so it's going to be a fun night. Uh, We're going to have, you know, some laughs. We're going to tell some bad boss stories. We're going to talk about 
what it's like to organize here in Alabama and here in the South. Uh, and so it's going to be a great, great night of fellowship and bringing folks together and just talking about the power of solidarity and what happens when we come together as working people. And so it's going to be a fun event. It's a little something different for us. You know, we're not uh, typically doing that kind of thing. And, and Jacob and I are definitely not comedians. We don't think we're that funny. That's why we're bringing in comedians to help us out and, and make sure it's a fun night uh, that everybody enjoys. That's awesome. Again, that's going to be on September 17th. You can get all information on this on tvlr.fm. And you mentioned as far as donating, just uh, use the website forward slash donate. That would be tvlr.fm forward slash donate. Did I get that correct? That's correct. And yes, uh, I do want to mention uh, that we use a union payment processor. So even when you donate to us, we're using union labor. Uh, It's on a union built website. That's just the way we operate. All of our merchandise is union made in America. And, you know, that's we just try to practice what we preach. And, and when we pay folks, we pay folks a living wage, whether that's a freelance reporter or, you know, uh, our crew that does so much behind the scenes magic. So, you know, that's that's really what you're going for. You're, you're contributing to um, media for working people, but you're also helping us practice what we preach in terms of supporting folks. And you're also just you know helping us sustain that message we should point out that adam is a member of iotsi local 900 the stagehands and uh, he's got some news about that we'll continue our conversation with him also later in the show we're going to check in with dave jameson on behalf of the huff post he just completed a five-part series on union busting and he's going to talk all about it right here on america's workforce back in a few this is america's workforce It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AF. FGE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. 
Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go back to uh, Alabama, rejoin Adam Keller, co-host of the Valley Labor Report, which is gaining audience each and every day. Proud to report that. And uh, Medicaid expansion. Now, this is sad, too, because under the Affordable Care Act, the states had the right to expand Medicaid and it, to help people. We want to help people. That's what you're supposed to do when you're in government. But a lot of states have not done that. And apparently, now, Adam, you, uh, you're working with your union, IATSE 900, and uh, I guess you've you got a resolution moving forward on on passing and expanding Medicaid. Can you explain what's going on here? Go ahead. Sure. So as as you alluded to, Alabama is one of ten states in the country that has yet to expand Medicaid, and as a result, there are about two hundred over two hundred thousand Alabamians who are caught in the coverage gap. They don't make enough to really afford health insurance or to get subsidies on the ACA marketplace, but they make too much to qualify for our very restrictive Medicaid here in Alabama. And so, as you've mentioned, I'm a proud member of IATSE Local 900, and I serve as the political coordinator there. And I I see it as my role to bring these kind of issues to my brothers and sisters in the union. And, um, you know, as I joke with them, I'm, I'm a much better union man than I am stagehand. Uh, I'm much better writing a resolution than with a wrench. And so I wrote a rent, uh, resolution about Medicaid expansion and why we as a, a union should get behind this. And, you know, some of the reasons why, beyond what I've mentioned in terms of the hundreds of thousands of Alabamians in the coverage gap, you know, some of those are our are, are members. Uh, Huntsville, Alabama is a very fast-growing city, but Huntsville is not L.A. or New York or even Atlanta or Nashville. And so the entertainment industry just isn't, you know, as big here. And so many of our members of IOTC 900 work other jobs. Many are struggling. uh, And many would directly benefit from Medicaid expansion were we to expand it. And, And so... I felt moved, especially after hearing some some conversations from members about some of their health care struggles. I felt like it was important that we took a stand as a union. And so the resolution uh, more or less explains why it's a good thing. As I mentioned, hundreds of thousands of folks would gain health care. Many of our members and their families would directly benefit. But the state of Alabama as a whole would, would benefit from the significant economic growth and job creation. And we are not alone in supporting this. A majority of Alabamians support the expansion of Medicaid, including a majority of Republican voters. And so, uh, you know, we felt it was important that we join in with the effort that's already underway to try to expand Medicaid here. So we're in the process of joining the Cover Alabama Coalition. It's a nonpartisan alliance. You know, over 100 groups are involved in this coalition. And the idea is just that this is a way to help people, as you said, to help people in our state and by extension, grow the economy of this state and really shore up the ailing healthcare system in our state. So we're joining with Cover Alabama and others across the state and calling for Alabama to expand Medicaid. We're urging our members to get involved in this campaign and to contact their elected officials 
and we're urging other labor unions to join the effort. I think it's really important that labor uh, be involved in this in this effort because these are working people by and large. These are people who are working low-income jobs but just do not get health insurance through their employer. Are there people who are dealing with disabilities and have been pushed out of the workforce in large part due to lack of health care? One mm-hmm. in three Alabamians have a disability. Uh, many of them could be working if they had health care and, and could take care of their issues. So it's a really, really important issue. It's an injustice that hundreds of thousands of Alabamians could get health care with this one small policy adjustment, this one policy that really would lift up the state, would grow our economy, would, would directly save lives and help working class people. Uh, so I'm really excited that my brothers and sisters and IOTC 900, you know, supported this resolution. I'm really looking forward to just growing the coalition and, and having conversations with other unions about why they should do the same and why they should get involved in this campaign. Well, hopefully the other unions will uh, join in and uh, maybe the legislature will listen because I don't understand. I don't understand why all the states haven't adopted this because it's not going to hurt their coffers at all. I mean, you're talking about helping people. And like you said, it's going to grow the economy. You'll get them back in work. And did you did I get that number correctly? Did you say 200,000 people this would be? would affect them right it's well it's over 300,000 would gain medicaid through the expansion over 200,000 of those currently do not have health insurance they're currently in that coverage gap where they make too much for medicaid but not enough for health insurance and so yeah it's it's a no-brainer uh and i think that's why you've seen even conservative republican states across the, the south have started to adopt medicaid expansion which is why we're really hoping that starts more productive conversations here in Alabama. You know, we understand that Alabama's politicians aren't really that interested in what California or, you know, New York is doing. But when Arkansas or Louisiana or North Carolina starts to do this, that should be a signal that, you know, we're on to something here. And as you mentioned with the funding, there's actually a signing bonus right now through the American Rescue Plan Act that would more than cover the cost for the first two years. And once you get it rolling for the first two years, when now you're starting to see the cost savings, you're starting to see the economic growth, the job creation. Uh, And so, again, yeah, this is such a no-brainer policy, and it's really, I think, going to take working people getting engaged in the process and really putting pressure on our leadership that they can and should do this. They should have done it a long time ago, but it's better late than never. All I can say to uh, your point, Adam, is Alabama, do the right thing. Come on, come to your senses. All right, let's move on. A couple of stories here. (laughs) It looks like Tommy Tuberville is having a field day down there. He's uh, a stick in the mud when it comes to, uh, you know, the promotions in the military. Now you got the Space Command situation, and, and then you have your legislature. Let's start with the legislature. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The uh the uh, legislature violated the Voting Rights Act, at least a part of it. It was Section 2 because of the way they drew their districts and they screwed over African-Americans in Alabama. So after that ruling came out, the legislature redrew the maps, but they pretty much came up with the same maps. Am I, am I reporting that correctly, Adam, or close to it? Yeah, I would say so. I would. Um so you're right. Back in June, the Supreme Court upheld a lower court decision in Allen v. Milligan, which 
upheld key parts of the Voting Rights Act, which is very, very important uh, because there was concerns that, you know, as our courts have become increasingly right wing, uh, you know, and the Voting Rights Act has been increasingly under threat. uh, But, you know, it was upheld. And as you said, Alabama was required to come up with new maps by July 21st because Alabama's current maps violate Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act by diluting the power of black voters. So they had the special session, July 17th through the 21st. That was their one job, come up with maps that would be approved by the courts, come up with maps that are actually fair and equitable, and fair and equitable specifically for minority voters. As you said, it doesn't look like they've done that. Uh, We still have one district, District 7, which is a majority-minority district. It's currently represented by a black woman, Terry Sewell, who's a Democrat, uh, and that would remain a majority-minority district under these new maps. They were supposed to create a second district that was majority-minority or, quote, something quite close to it, according to the courts. Uh, what they came up with was a district that is about 40% black, and they're saying, they being the, the Republican legislature, they're saying that that is sufficient, but most folks who are observing this are saying there's no way that that's, that's going to fly. And so we understand that the next court hearing update is in August. I believe August 14th is when we'll find out, you know, If Alabama was compliant with the court order, uh, again, most of us think it's pretty obvious they were not. And so we'll just see from there what happens. The court could appoint a special master to draw the maps. Um, Something that came out just this week is that the federal court has made it clear they are not going to let Alabama try to relitigate the Voting Rights Act, which is what many of us suspected, you know, was the ultimate attempt all along was to try to gut the Voting Rights Act uh, before a friendly Supreme Court. So it was it was sort Mm -hmm. of a surprise earlier this summer that the Supreme Court uh, upheld that lower court decision. And so, you know, long story short, Alabama screwed over their black voters. They were told to redraw the maps and try again. Uh, this effort looks to be repeating the same injustice. And so, again, it will be up to the courts to uh, chastise Alabama and make them do the right thing. Unbelievable. And that's happening in so many states, including the state of Ohio, just to let you know. One more issue here is Space Command. And uh, this week, President Biden said he's not going to move Space Command to Huntsville, Alabama. He's going to keep it in the state of Colorado. And Lauren Boebert, who's been a Biden critic, is happy about it. This is crazy. But Tommy Tuberville, I guess uh, he's uh, he's uh, talking up a storm down there. What's the latest on that, Adam? Yeah, most folks down here in Alabama are blaming Senator Tuberville for this decision. Uh, you know, a year or two ago, it seemed like Space Command coming to Huntsville was a pretty done deal. Uh now, there's, you know, obviously how you feel about it depends largely on your partisan affiliation. There are folks who are blaming Biden for, for making this a political decision. Uh, and, you know, perhaps it is backlash to Senator Tuberville and his antics in Congress. And so, you know, whether you blame Tuberville, whether you blame Biden, some even would go back and say, you know, the whole 
idea of moving it to Alabama in the first place was a political decision by the Trump administration. So, you know, however you feel about it, the fact is it looks like it's not coming to Huntsville. And, uh, you know, that speaks to a deeper issue, I think, that's interesting, which is the contradiction sometimes within the, the right wing coalition, which, you know, at times some of their reactionary politics actually conflicts with what's good for business. Right. And that, you know, Medicaid expansion, that was a good example of that. Right. The state's economy would grow. We'd have more sure. jobs. We'd have higher GDP. Uh, and yet some on the extreme right have been resistant to that. So they've actually slowed the economy, which is what theoretically they're they're so concerned about. You know, they've slowed the economy due to their own, uh, you know, partisan politics. And I think this is another example here where, again, through partisan politics, through extreme right-wing politics, you're actually doing damage to the GDP. You're doing damage to the capitalist economy that you supposedly care so much about uh, because there's no there's no doubting that had Space Command moved to Huntsville, it would have brought new jobs, it would have brought growth, um, you know, by and large, well-paying jobs. Uh, and so, you know, obviously there's a lot of folks in Huntsville who are upset about it. Who they're upset at, you know, largely depends on their their blue or red affiliation. Uh, but it, it's certainly interesting, and I think that's the interesting thing for me is that contradiction, where sometimes those coalitions that the right wing has assembled between business and you know the the more culturally you know far right folks, there are tensions. That's not always an easy marriage. Sometimes it's a rocky marriage, and and sometimes those contradictions flare up like this, where um, you know, the state of Alabama ultimately is going to lose out economically because yeah. of it. Good observation there. Adam Keller joining us in our live line today, co-host of the Valley Labor Report, also a member of IATSE Local 900. We urge that you go to the website, help them out because they're in a fundraising campaign right now. It's tvlr.fm forward slash donate. TVLR, just like the Valley Labor Report, tvlr.fm forward slash donate. Adam, always a pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing, and we'll be talking shortly, I'm sure. Okay, brother? Thanks so much. Always appreciate it. Love and solidarity from Alabama. All right, quick break. Dave Jamison on a five-part series on union busting at the Huffington Post back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without iron workers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained iron workers and 20,000 apprentices, the Iron Workers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. 
Learn more at ironworkers.org. Ironworkers, the sky's the limit. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to line number two. And talk to Dave Jamison. Dave is the labor reporter. And I love saying that because there's not too many newspapers or publications that have a labor reporter. Workforce reporter, work style, lifestyle, that's what they have, but not labor. He's been covering unions for a long time. He's been with the Huff Post since uh, 2011. And he just completed a five-part series on what's going on in the union-busting industry. This is a huge industry huge by the way the website for the huff post is huffpost.com huffpost.com dave jameson you've been on the show a couple of times and i know you covered a number of uh, stories involving unions this one here this five-part series which is called the persuaders and it's based on dozens of freedom of information requests was this your idea or did the huffington post or huff post i keep mentioning the old uh, name there did they say, okay, Dave, um, maybe you should do this? Talk to me about that before we get into some of the details here. Go ahead. Yeah, Flash, this was my idea because, I, as you said, I've been covering labor for a long time, and I tend to bump into these um, these consultants on a lot of campaigns. When there's an organizing campaign, they get brought in, and they get paid these days around 3000 bucks a day uh, is what you pay for one of these guys, and sometimes you hire a whole bunch of them. And I was just always interested in this work because um, so little is known about it. Um, you know, the, the, the consultants come in, they give their speeches, but people really didn't have a good handle on sort of what these folks are doing when they come in to deal with a campaign. And so I filed all those information requests because I wanted to get whatever documents were out there that kind of show the work that these people do, because, like I said, so little is known about it. And I found it to be so interesting. And most of them are very shady, and a lot of them are former union officials. And I heard that, and I didn't realize how many there were. Did that surprise you at all, David, when you did your research on this? It it, it did. I, I knew from having covered some campaigns that someone every once in a while would pop up and, oh, this guy you know, used to be a teamster or whatever, and that, I thought that's interesting. Once I really started going through files and reading testimony when some of these folks ended up before the National Labor Relations Board, I started to see that quite a few of them really did come come out of unions. Um, a lot of them do come out of like corporate uh, human resources and stuff. But it makes sense that that quite a few would would have a, a past in organized labor. Right. Um, uh-huh. There's a lot of unions out there. They've got their own staffs. Um, you know, people. People quit. People get fired. Um, not everybody leaves their job under good circumstances. And so some of these folks 
literally pop up on the other side. This is a skill that they've acquired. They know how to run campaigns and organize in the workplace. So they basically go do, do it across the aisle where you're kind of doing it in, in reverse. You're trying to figure mm-hmm. out who the union supporters are, who opposes the union. And, and, and critically, they call them censors, the, the folks who sit on the fence, who are unsure whether they'll vote for the union or against the union. And those are the folks that they're, that they're really working on, that they want to devote their time to, to persuading. Yeah, one of the uh, union officials, I mentioned this earlier in the show, was uh, Joe Brock, and uh, he was a teamster. In fact, he had a uh, leadership position in his local, and he switched sides. But one that got my attention, and and these guys are sneaky. (laughs) They're real sneaky because when they tell you their name, it's probably not their name. Talk to me about uh, Jack Black. I mean, that would raise my eyebrows right away. <laughs> but <laughs> explain the story of Jack Black, David. So Jack Black um, is a guy who got a contract to um, uh, to to run against a union campaign at, at a manufacturer in, in Missouri last year. And uh, the name Jack Black itself is a little suspect, right? Turns out that was not his name. Um, His name is Jim Teague. He had had done a little organizing for the steelworkers many moons ago and and went into union avoidance um, a long time ago. And so he he was using a a fake name. And there there are reasons he's got, you know, a past. He's had, uh, you know, a lawsuit and this and that. And so I think there are reasons why he, he may have been using an alias, right? And so um, this, was, this case was very indicative in the, of the industry in the sense that um, he got the contract, but he subcontracted the work out to another guy who had his own past in, in a union, um, and he subcontracted the work, and that guy came in under a fake name as well. His name was Alex Green. That's, his real name was Eric Grumbrecht. Um, so they, they were they each had these sort of color coded aliases they were using. And I, I don't think it's it's typical to to for these folks to use outright fake names. But what I did find in my research is that it is very common for for these consultants to not be entirely forthcoming about who they are. A lot of them don't want to they don't want the workers to know their last names because they don't want the workers poking around on them. Maybe they learn about, you know, the circumstances of what, how they left their union. You know, if, these, if the, the consultant needs to be in a, in a union or they just don't want them poking around. They don't want them learning how much they make and what their pay rates are and all that. And so there is, a, you know, what I found to be quite a bit of sort of hiding the ball on this stuff, um, because the more workers learn sort of the more a- ammunition they have to, you know, to 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 fire against the union buster. And so it's, it's this sort of. A lot of informational warfare. In this case, too, and there wasn't that many people in this firm. And uh, this was a company called, um, no, this was in Missouri, Motor Appliance Corporation, right? Thousands of dollars, over a dozen workers trying to to unionize. This this company ended up spending more than $60,000. You do the math on that, you know, you're... It's it's five thousand dollars a vote that they're spending on this on this campaign, which in the sense, in, you know, imagine you know that in a in a in a political in a political sense. This is this is a scale of money that a lot of employers throw at this just to um, you know to persuade their workers against voting for a union. Yeah, and, and in the end, they they fired the pro union workers. The vote was three to six, three to six, and you said they spent sixty thousand dollars to bust the union in that case, right? That's right, and that's. 
I only found that out, frankly, after my story ran uh, because the company filed their disclosure so late. That's another important point here is, is there, there's a federal law requiring that employers disclose the money they're spending on this stuff. But the law is, is really it's in, poorly enforced and, and the consultants and employers flout it all the time. And so, you know, this, this company was supposed to disclose that money uh, a while ago, but we, all, we only just found out what they actually spent. And that's another factor is workers don't find out the sort of the details of the campaign. They don't find out who the consultants were and how much was spent, you know, often until after the election is well over. Dave, it's funny you brought that up. I was talking about that a little bit earlier. You're, you're referring to the LM10 form, and uh, we did a show. In fact, you, uh, you quoted Bob Funk of the Labor Lab in your, in your series, and he's been on the uh, Department of Labor to be more aggressive. And just last week, they published a rule requiring that all federal contractors disclose their work with anti-union consultants. And I know they're taking some heat on that. But to your point, yeah. Uh, Well, we have weak labor law. You know that in this country. And then when it comes to union busting, it's very, very shady. And we don't know what's going on. So hopefully this article will shed some light. Any reaction to your five-part series yet that that you're aware of, Dave? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I've, I've gotten quite a bit of feedback. Um, uh, uh, a lot of, uh, heard from quite a few workers who've encountered consultants who, who, you know, appreciated sort of learning a little more about what goes on here. And, um, you know, interestingly, uh, Joe Brock, who I, who I ended up writing about, he's one of the consultants. He's a, a former Teamster. You know, he shared some, some thoughts on Twitter. Um, he, he didn't, he didn't find anything inaccurate with, with my stories. I mean, I think he did say he thought I sort of focused on, um, you know, maybe some of the more unsavory, um, um, aspects of the field, <laughs> which he, he felt was maybe not the norm. Uh, but he had quite an interesting back and forth with a lot of, uh, pro union people on Twitter. So, so that was, that was very interesting to see. Well, hats off to you. Dave Jamison, labor reporter for the Huff Post. Do check it out online, HuffPost.com, HuffPost.com. Dave, uh, take care. Let's do more on this down the road. Can we, uh, can we set that up? Sure thing. Thanks for having me, Flash. You got it. Anytime. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, Dorsey Hager of the Columbus Central Ohio Building Trades. And it's our first Friday with Fred, Fred Redmond. Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.